welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening session of Sunday the 6th of September 2009, entitled, Who to Talk to When You Struggle, and the Bible reading is Psalm 42. Here's Brother Pedro Yearwood. We really look forward to uh, this evening and being able to be with you. We wish we could all have uh, been here, but um, Levi's already uh, started college and uh, last Friday, and so he's, uh, he's got classes tomorrow morning uh, at Swindon College, and so he, uh, he's, uh, he's down that way. And, um, and uh, Benjamin drew the short straw, <laughs> so he had, to, he had to sit it out. But uh, we look forward to it so very much, and uh, as uh, I know you're aware uh, that um, pastors explained to you that uh, we are, uh, we're moving back down um, Barcher Way, where we used to uh, live up until uh, eight years ago. So we, um, I was just thinking it's the first time in 20 years that we're making a, a move and uh, it has nothing to do with ministry. Um, whenever we have moved in the last 20 years, it's, uh, it's been to help with one church or another. And um, it's not that we won't, uh, we won't do what we can to help um, uh, our home church there, but um, on this occasion... Uh, it is, uh, it's not a, um, a ministry move, it's a necessary move uh, to do with work and, um, and uh, uh, just getting, getting the family settled again. I thank the Lord for, uh, for the wife that he's given me and for my children. Uh, they've followed me all over the world <laughs> and all across the country. And um, it, uh, it looks like uh, the Lord is going to uh, allow them to, to have a bit of respite <laughs> for a while. And uh, so uh, I know that will be, that'll be good for them. But uh, Bethel is such a precious place to us, and you have been such friends, such tremendous friends. And uh, you will always be in our thoughts. And um, unfortunately, unless uh, Pastor Curtis changes his email address, he'll still be hearing from me on a regular basis. And he has been such a friend to me particularly these last couple of years, uh, through my illness and whatnot, uh, he has, uh, he's been unrelenting uh, as a friend, and uh, I thank God for him. And for all of you who have been so encouraging in your, uh, your emails and phone calls and uh, various things and all your ways of helping, and we, we do appreciate it so very much, more than I can say tonight. But I uh, just want you to know, it's always hard to, uh, to express um, uh, things of this nature, but we just want you to know how much we love you and thank God for your love for us, more importantly for your love for him and for your faithfulness. I hope you realize that um, uh, the Lord has blessed you with uh, much here. Um, he's given you a pastor which is more than a lot of churches have got. <laughs> uh, there are a lot of churches across the country who have not got a pastor. Um, and um, the Lord's given you one here who loves you. Uh, I've heard him say in the past, and uh, it is so true, he thinks that you may be able to get a better one, but you'll never get one that loves you as much. And I agree with that. You'll never get one who will love you as much as this one. And... Um, uh, I hope you look after him. <laughs> Pray for him, look after him and his family, and look after each other. 
And I was saying this morning as I was preaching at Calvary that uh, I've got a feeling that it won't be long before we'll all be singing together uh, in the presence of the Lord. Uh, I've just, I don't know why. I mean, I know it's, it's, uh, it's, um, it's scriptural and right and true uh, that the Lord could return at any time, but uh, I've just got a feeling, I've just got a feeling uh, that it may be a lot sooner than we're banking on. Uh, that would suit me fine. It really would. And I hope, it, I hope you too uh, love his appearing and are looking forward to the Lord's return. I think you got it, preacher. Amen. Amen. This evening, uh, I, want to, uh, uh, I want to share a message with you. Um, I, I trust I won't be too long, but um, just, to, just to draw to your attention, um, just one, really, just one simple uh, and single uh, point. Uh, but before I do that, I want to ask you uh, a strange question, and, um, and I want you to think about it for a moment before you, before you answer for yourself. But um, can you remember a time... It could have been today, it could have been last week, could have been last month, could have been last year or whatever. Can you ever remember a time where you felt so wonderful? I mean, everything was going your way. And um, uh, you were full of faith and uh, your prayer life was tremendous. And uh, the word of God was precious to you. And uh, the Lord was answering prayer. And uh, maybe you, you got the chance to lead someone to the Lord. And on every hand, however you look, uh, things were just working out for you. And you felt so wonderful. Can, can you remember a time like that? I mean, not necessarily all those details, but, but a time like that when you felt just absolutely wonderful. It might have been a church service where you, you sat in a church service and you thought, oh, hallelujah. I mean, if this is a taste of heaven, Lord, come quick. You know, it was just so wonderful. Times like that. Can you, can you think of a time like that? Now, wouldn't it be wonderful if life could stay like that? Wouldn't that be great? If every day, every hour of every day was just like that. Everything just wonderful and you feel great. And uh, I mean, you could, uh, you could do anything. It would be tremendous. It'd be, it would be perfect if life could just stay like those sweet moments. But we know that that is not reality. The reality of life is struggle, isn't it? Uh, we live in a, in a world that is cursed with sin. And the more this world um, runs and hides from God, the only solution, the worse the problem becomes. And because people... Um, run further and further into the darkness. Um, they do things that are irresponsible and whatnot. And as a result, government, which by the way, God put there, governments have got to um, do more to control and, and manage things. And we lose more and more of our freedoms and more and more of the rights that we took for granted years ago. And things become more and more constricted. And, and, and it just seems to be winding itself uh, society seems just to be winding itself into one great knot and you just think it can't go on like this. Even the lost know that um, we are at breaking point. Not just Britain, but across the world. There's, there's, uh, we've reached a, a, a tipping point or a breaking point. And we live in that world. I, I wish it were that, um, that we could all just stay in our little 
commune of blessing um, and enjoy those sweet times. But you know what? Even there, you'd find some brother or sister that would annoy you. Guaranteed. Not Steve. I mean, Steve wouldn't annoy anybody. He's, um, by the way, I tell Shelly better watch out. He's pretty good with that thing. What's it called again? Um, an accordion, isn't it? Accordion? Oh, he's good. He's, he's very talented. But you know, there'd be some brother or sister who eventually would annoy you. And, um, you know, some, some dispute or disagreement would break out. And there goes the peace, you know. Uh, and and um, the reality is that as long as sin is here, life will be a struggle. Life will be a struggle. And uh, I'm sure if, you, uh, if you've lived a few years and you look back, you will be able to recognize the struggles that you have been through all the way through um, to this present day. It may be that as you are sitting here tonight, you are, as it were, taking a break from some struggle that is waiting for you when you get back home. Maybe tomorrow at work. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's something else. But life is just full of, of struggles. But I think what matters is knowing who to talk to when you struggle. And that is the, the subject of uh, my message tonight. Who to talk to when you struggle. Now, I do not say if you struggle. I say when you struggle because it is guaranteed. It will happen. You will struggle from time to time. Sometimes more so than at other times, but you will struggle. And it is vitally important that you know who to talk to when you struggle. So I'm going to ask you if you're turning your scriptures, please, to the book of uh, Psalms and uh, Psalm 42. And we'll start to read in verse 1. The psalmist says, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. Then shall I come and appear before God. My tears have been my meat day and night while they continually say unto me, where is thy God? The very first thing that is drawn to our attention as we look uh, at this chapter is the, the psalmist's thirst. Now they tell me that, um, that a deer will never be more than, I think it is, a couple of miles away from water. And hunters know that. And predators know that. And uh, so they stick near the watering hole because they need water. They, they won't last long without it. And the psalmist here uh, says, As the heart or the deer panteth after the water, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. He's thirsty for God. He says, My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? He is thirsty for God. Now, let me just stop there for a moment and just say this. If tonight you do not know Christ as your Savior, I hope that you are beginning to thirst for God. I hope there is some thirst there. I hope you recognize that uh, this world, this society that we live in and this world that we live in has nothing with which to quench your thirst. Now they have got some alternatives that they may present to you, and they may appear for a while to slake your thirst, but it will only be temporary. It'll be back. The thirst will be back, and worse next time. 
And I, I, I just hope that if you're here tonight and you have never trusted Christ as Savior, it may be that you've come to church and you've heard messages preached. It may be that you've, uh, um, you've read gospel literature and whatnot, but you've never actually trusted Christ as your Savior. I hope tonight that you are thirsty. Are you thirsty? You know, the Lord in uh, Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 1 uh, starts out by saying, Ho! Stop and, and, uh, and listen here. Ho, everyone that thirsteth. Come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat, yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. The Lord invites every thirsty person to come. If you're thirsty, the invitation is come. In Mark, the Lord said, Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst for righteousness. He said in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. He said, He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth in me shall never thirst. And uh, my favorite of all, in John chapter uh, 7, and verse 37, it says in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Now I hope tonight that if you do not know Christ as Savior, that at least you are thirsty. If you are, the invitation is to you. The Lord says, come. Come to me, I will quench your thirst eternally. The Bible tells us that our first parents sinned against God, and through them, sin as a spiritual disease has passed through to every single one of us. As a result, we were all born in sin and already on, on route for judgment. But God intervened in the person of the Lord Jesus. And he did for us what we could not have done for ourselves. Neither we nor anyone else. He took the wrath of God for all your sin and all my sin upon himself. And there on Calvary's cross, when he shed his blood, it was for the wiping away the remission, the cleansing away of your sin for all time. It was the only currency that could buy your salvation. Christ did that for you. The Bible tells us, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet at war with him, Christ died for us. And now he says, come. Come. God so loved this world, the Bible tells us, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, doesn't matter what you've done, where you come from, what you are involved in right now, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That tells me 
that if tonight you are here and you are thirsty, and you realize that that thirst is because you were born a sinner just like me, and that there's nothing you can do about it for yourself, but that Christ has done for you what had to be done. He took sins, uh, he took sin upon himself and faced the wrath of God. And Isaiah tells us that God the Father smote him there on Calvary's cross, poured out upon him all of his wrath for all of mankind's sin. And now if you would put your trust in what he did for you there on Calvary's cross, if you would recognize that that shedding of blood, it was the Lamb of God taking away the sin of the world. It was the Lamb of God taking away your sin. And if by faith you would put your trust in him, in what he did for you, with a repentant heart, the instant you do so, the Bible tells us that God will reckon it to you for righteousness. In other words, that instant, God says, sin debt forgiven, slate wiped clean, gone forever, because the Savior has already paid the price. Now I hope, oh how I hope tonight, that you are thirsty. Because if you are not, if you feel that you can continue through life without the salvation, the free salvation that God offers you, it's free to us. It costs him everything, but it, it's free to us. If you think you can get through life without it, then my friend, I'm so sorry to tell you tonight that you have a horrible, horrible surprise ahead of you. Because at some point, sooner rather than later, your life here will end. And the Bible tells us that it is appointed unto man once to die. You're not coming back. There is no reincarnation. There is no second chance. Hello, listen. There is no purgatory. You can't get prayed out of anywhere. It is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. So it comes down very simply to this. Either you will accept God's free, loving gift, of eternal life or you will face him as your judge and there will be no argument there will be no advocate there will be no way out you will have already been condemned I plead with you tonight will you not at least consider the claim of Christ his offer to you of eternal life I hope you are thirsty. The psalmist that we were reading about here, he was thirsty after God for a different reason. He had his trust in God already, but he was going through some circumstances that were so horrible. He doesn't give us the details of it, but they were so horrible that he was longing to come before God and to get some sort of relief or uh, some answer or at least some relief. At the end of, uh, back in our text, in, uh, in Psalm 42, at the end of verse 1, or rather at the end of verse 2, he says, When shall I come and appear uh, before God? Why would he say that? Because uh, he, was, uh, he was overwhelmed with the, the pain of his circumstances. Verse 3 and 4 tells us, uh, about uh, we just read about his thirst but three verse three and four tells us about uh, his tears uh, and the taunting that he went through 
and, uh, and even about his innermost thoughts. Look in verse 3. It says, My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? He says he has been in, in mourning over his situation. And in the midst of the pain of his situation, whether, it, uh, whether they were mortal men or demonic spirits, he was being taunted in his distress. Where is thy God? You, you're always in church. You're, you're always talking about your God. Where is he now? Look at you. Look at what you're going through. Where is thy God? If he was God, would you be going through this? Would he not have intervened? Would he not have stopped this from happening? Where is thy God? Verse 4 says, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. Notice he didn't say he poured out his soul to God. He said he poured out his soul in himself. He had completely turned in on himself in his distress. I poured out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. These are his thoughts. He's thinking about the good old days before all this happened and how uh, he would, uh, as, we would uh, as we would, uh, as we would say it today, uh, he'd come to church and he'd sing these wonderful hymns and, and uh, have, this, have such a wonderful time together and the fellowship would be sweet. But now, look where he's at. Look at his circumstances. Look, look how he has fallen. He says, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. This man is in distress. This man is struggling horribly. But now this brings us to the point. In the midst of his struggle, this is what he does. Look in verse 5. He says, why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Do you see what he does? This man learnt who he needed to talk to when he struggled. And the first person he talked to was himself. You say, wait a minute, brother. Stop there a minute. Stop. Pause. I thought only crazy people talk to themselves. Well, think about it. At some point this evening, you looked at the clock at your watch and you thought, ooh, it's getting up to such and such a time. Better get dressed for church. Who were you talking to? Yourself. When you were doing something and, and it doesn't work, you think, oh, that's, I made a mess of that. Oh, dear. I'm, I mustn't do that again. I'm going to have to do it. Who are you talking to? Yourself. We do it all the time. In fact, God made us like that with the ability to commune with ourselves. Do you know animals cannot do that? As far as we're aware. But we can. See, God made us in his image in a number of ways. But one of the things we can do is to commune with ourselves. We can talk to ourselves. And it doesn't mean you're crazy. In fact, let's look and see what the scriptures have got to say about it. Hold your place there and turn over to uh, Ephesians chapter 5. 
Not only is it not crazy, it is absolutely essential that you learn how to talk to yourself. Ephesians chapter 5, and uh, look at verse uh, 18. It says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Verse 19, speaking to who? Yourselves. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody where? In your heart to the Lord. The Lord expects us to talk to ourselves. We need to learn, A, that we must talk to ourselves, and B, how to talk to ourselves. And the Lord tells us how, just here. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. The Lord expects us to talk to ourselves. In Psalm chapter 4, just a few chapters back from our text, and verse 4, the scriptures say, the psalmist speaking, Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Selah. Commune, commune with your own heart. We need to learn that when we struggle, we have to talk to ourselves. We need to talk to ourselves. And the psalmist did that. He stopped in the midst of all that was going on. It is as though he said, wait, 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 stop, stop. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him. He stopped and he took a hold of himself and he spoke to himself. And there the recovery started. It is so important that we learn this essential principle of taking control of our thoughts. Now in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we read these words in verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Did you, did you get that? We are in a war and... The Lord tells us that the weapons that we need to use in this war, if we're going to be successful, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not bombs and bullets. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What strongholds is he talking about? The strongholds in our minds. The areas, the no-go areas that gets set up in our minds and, be, and from there the enemy is able and the flesh is able to control our lives um, for harm. Then the next verse says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every 
free thought to the obedience of Christ. The psalmist understood that. And so in the midst of his struggle, he stopped himself. He couldn't stop the circumstances, but he stopped himself. And he took a hold of himself, as it were. And he said, wait a minute. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? The first thing we need to do is to learn to talk to ourselves. But then the psalmist, he didn't stop there. He went on. From verse 6 to verse 10, having talked to himself, now he's going to talk to God. Verse 6, he says, Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites and from the hill Mizar. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night. His song shall be with me and my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God my rock. Why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me, while they say daily unto me, Where is thy God? Having spoken to himself, he now speaks to God. You see, he's now in a state of mind to actually talk to God. One of the things that happens to us when circumstances press in is that we become overwhelmed by it, quite naturally, and we, we stop talking to God. And we start looking at the massive circumstances around us as we see it. Uh, and uh, before you know it, it takes on a life of its own, and we just get swept along and swept away with it. But the psalmist stopped, he spoke to himself, and then he spoke to God. I noticed something very interesting about this prayer that he prayed as he spoke to God. First of all, it was short. Did you notice that? It probably took, what, 10 seconds? Sometimes we think we need to impress God with long and eloquent prayers. Uh, let me share something with you. You can't impress God with anything. Not prayer or anything else. You see, he knows what we are on the inside, and so we may as well, um, you know, remember that. Uh, this prayer was short. But I also note that this prayer was honest. He didn't try to, um, uh, to deceive God with, uh, with words that meant nothing, vain repetition. Look at verse 6. He says, oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. He didn't say, oh my God, I'm doing just great tonight. Lord, I want you to know uh, how much I trust you and how, uh, how much I'm on top of things. I just thought I'd remind you, dear Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. He didn't do that. He came Honestly, and he said, oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. He said in verse 9, I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Beloved, you will never ever scare or disappoint God by asking him why. Or by coming before him and honestly pouring out your heart to him. In fact, you may well be able to say things to God that you can't say to a brother or sister. They may get the wrong impression. They may think less of you. God cannot think less of you. He knows all about you. So we may as well just be honest. We waste so much time in so-called prayer 
Because we will not be honest with God. We'll come before God and we'll talk a load of trash. Waste time and energy. And get up and wonder why God didn't answer prayer. What prayer? It would help if we had prayed. Honestly. This prayer was short and it was absolutely honest. He said in effect, Lord, I am in a mess. I, I don't know where to turn. I, I, I don't even know what to say properly. Oh, God, help me. You remember when Peter stepped out of the boat and, and the, the, the only human being apart from the Lord Jesus who ever walked on water was Peter. But whatever else happened afterwards, he walked on water. He had that... Uh, he had the courage and the faith in the Lord to at least step out and try. I much prefer a man to step out and try and fail than to sit in the boat forever and wonder. Try God. Give him a try. But Peter looked around, and you know the story, and he saw the storm, and he thought to himself, what on earth am I doing? And he went under, didn't he? And he started to drown. He was a fisherman, and what a professional fisherman. But out there in the deep, he was helpless in a storm. Now, you do remember his prayer. It meant something like this. Oh, Lord, my God, I come before thee this day to bring my... No, of course not. Lord, save me. Isn't that right? It was short. It was honest. And what happened? Immediately the Lord reached and pulled him out. And we need to learn that when we come before God, we are coming before the omnipotent, omniscient one who knows all things. He knows us. He knew us before he saved us. And we may as well just be honest. This prayer was short. It was honest. But I also note that it ended in faith. In verse 11, we read, Having prayed, the psalmist again takes a hold of himself. And he says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. You can almost see him shaking himself. Come on. Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him. For uh, who is the health of my countenance of my God? He's saying, come on. Come on, self. God's going to bring me through this. He will. Even if it doesn't feel like it, he will. Even if no one else believes it, he will. Even if the circumstances don't change when I'm done praying, he will. Come on, self. He spoke to himself and then he spoke to God and this uh, Psalm 42 actually continues on into Psalm 43. And it says, judge me, O God, and plead my cause. He starts now to talk to God again. Oh, deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. For thou art the God of my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? Why do I go mourning uh, because of the oppression of the enemy? Oh, send out thy light and thy truth. He's talking here about the word of God. Thy word is a lamp unto my Feet and a light onto my path. The Lord Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The light and the truth. He says, I'll send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me onto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. Then will I go onto the altar of God, onto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O oh my God. He said, wait a minute. He, he, he prayed before and, he, and, he, and, he, and he, he poured out his heart before God and told God how bad things were. And then he, he, he shook himself and got himself together. Why is he going back to God now praying this sort of thing again? You know why? Because he was human. Hmm. Like me and you. 
You see, remember this, that the Psalms weren't necessarily written by someone in a room um, with, a, with, a, with a quill and, 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 a, and a piece of papyrus, and he thought, well, I shall write me a psalm, and he writes it out like that. Uh, some of these psalms were written over a period of time, and so there may well have been some time between uh, verse 11, uh, at the end of verse four, uh, chapter 42, and verse 1 of 43. You see, he is writing this psalm um, in reflection of all that he is going through, uh, not as, a, as an academic piece of, of poetry, but uh, as an expression of what is going on in his life. And so there may well have been some time there. What I'm saying is this. Just like us, the psalmist was doing this. He was, be, he was feeling more encouraged and then it was tapering off. And then he, he, he'd, catch him, he'd get himself and, and then it would, it would taper off. He, he was still struggling. In other words, he was still struggling. Don't ever think. That just because you go before the Lord and you say the right things in the right way with the right attitude that all of a sudden it's fixed. And you, you get up from praying and lo and behold, the problem is gone. I remember uh, a, a story of George Muller on a, on a ship. I think he was going from, from, from Britain to the U.S. to, to speak and... The, the, the ship got into terrible fog and uh, it, was, it, was, it was horrendous. The captain had to slow right down, almost stop. And um, uh, George Mueller knew if they, if, they, you know, if, they, if they didn't move on pretty quickly, he'd, he'd, he'd be late for his appointment in the U.S. And so he, he spoke to the captain. The captain said, look, there's nothing we can do. Uh, the fog is, hor is horrendous. And, um, uh, and, and the long and short of the story is he prayed and the captain joined him. And, um, and uh, you know, he was able to tell the captain, don't worry, when you go back out there, the fog will be gone. And the captain went out and sure enough, the fog was gone. And they were able to proceed. But beloved, I want you to know that that is not how prayer usually operates. Now, I don't say that to burst anybody's bubble or to, um, to say that these things didn't happen. They did. They really did. And you and I have had the experience of praying for things. And even whilst we were praying, the answer was on the way. We didn't even realize it. And we got up from prayer, and lo and behold, it was done. But that is not the norm, is it? Normally we pray, and often we have to wait. And whilst we are waiting, guess what happens? Sometimes we struggle. Sometimes we start to struggle again. And that's what happened to the psalmist. Having prayed and got a hold of himself first and then prayed, he found himself now beginning to struggle again. And so what does he do? He repeats the process. He gets a hold of himself. He goes back to God. And look how the psalm ends in verse 5 of chapter 43. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. What we see here in these two psalms is a snapshot of this man's life at a given point in time as he faced some terrible trial. And what the Lord has done for us is honestly record his struggle for us. For our, for our sake, he recorded it. That we might see that we're not alone in struggling, first of all. But that there is a way to deal with it. That we need to, first of all, make sure that we, in the midst of it all, not be swept away with it, but to stop, take a hold of ourselves, Remind ourselves of who our God is. Go before him and pour out our hearts honestly to him. 
And even if thereafter we struggle still, just keep at it. Just get a hold of yourself again. And if you need to do that a thousand times a day, do it. Just keep at it. Just keep getting a hold of yourself. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no. I'm not going to start to doubt God now. Oh, no. Why art thou cast down all my soul? Come on. Hope thou in God. You look outside, the fog's still there. Hope thou in God. Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him. What he was saying is, I'm going to come out of this. Beloved, do you know every valley has an end? As a child of God, if you are God's child, every valley has an end. Even if it ends when the Lord catches us away or takes us home, it will end. But in the midst of it, it doesn't feel like that, does it? It feels endless. It feels relentless. It feels overwhelming. But if we would but learn that we have a loving God who is not just supervising, but who is orchestrating and uh, controlling every detail of everything that we go through, oh, that makes all the difference. We can lay a hold of ourselves and say, come on, why art thou cast down? Come on, self, hope thou in God. In the end, it won't matter how many times you struggle in this life. It won't even matter how many times you, you fell in, 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 in discouragement or despair. What will matter is how many times you got up. How many times you took a hold of yourself and said, oh, oh no, I'm not staying down there. Come on, hope thou in God. Trust God, he will. He cannot change, he cannot lie, he cannot fail. Hope thou in God. And keep doing it again and again. Carry it on. Keep that cycle going until you see uh, God bring you through that circumstance. And when it happens, remember this, that God has taught you something very precious. And he intends for you to now use your knowledge to help another brother or sister. To join in the most needy ministry in the church. The ministry of encouragement and comfort. Look, we could do with more instrumentalists, more singers, more this, that, and the other. But you know what we absolutely desperately need? Encouragers. Comforters. And that's what God wants to make you and me when we come out on the other side of our trial. The Bible refers to our God as the God of all comfort. Who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. You see, it's not just a matter of hallelujah, I'm out of it. Bless God, I'm free. No, no, I've got a responsibility to help that sister or that brother who's struggling, who perhaps don't understand the importance of knowing how to talk to yourself who perhaps don't understand the importance of, of knowing how to talk to God, who perhaps don't understand the importance of just keeping at it, just keep that cycle going, talk to yourself, talk to God, talk to yourself, talk to God, and just keep at it until you see victory. They may not understand that, but you do. Why? Because the Lord has taught it to you. You've come through it. Now join the ministry of encouragement, the ministry of comfort. 
Now, beloved, I don't know how long it will be again before I get the opportunity to, uh, to be with you. And I don't know what you are going to experience in the weeks and months and maybe years to come if the Lord tarries that long. But I do know this, that our God is the omnipotent God. And he will bring us through every circumstance, every time. Hope thou in God.